0: Welcome to the Roxborough Church podcast. For more resources and information, visit roxboroughchurch.org. We posture of our heart as we prepare for the Word in Jesus' name, Amen. As all the kids come forward to leave for kids' church, you may be seated and get ready for the Word. God is good and all the time. That is a reminder for us and a declaration of the good news. It's a reminder for us, but it's also a declaration of the good news. You might be wondering to yourself, Pastor Ray, why are you holding a mask in your hand when you get ready to preach? And I just wanted to be reminded to give a quick update and a quick reminder to everybody. So here at the church, we are uh, allowing mask options, and those mask options are simply this. If you have uh, shown... Proof of your vaccination, we will record that at the church, and then you have the option to mask or not mask when we're gathered together. If you'd rather not show your vaccination uh, cards or you have not been vaccinated, we simply ask that you mask during the service. So if you would like to remove your mask and you have shown your vaccination card, you are welcome to do that. Um, Otherwise, we ask you to participate with us in worship from behind a mask. And we hope that that is a uh, space in which we can all together. We can all together just say, okay, like, we're trying to do our best. Uh, I, I want to concede to you that, that we don't have it all figured out when it comes to this. We don't have it all figured out when it comes to kicking the butt of this virus. We don't have it all figured out when it comes to living in community with this thing all around us. But we're seeking to do our best together. And so thank you for the grace that you offer us as a church as we seek to do our best with that and, and know that we are indeed um, prayerfully taking steps together in that direction. This morning, we're going to be in Psalm 139, and so as you get your Bibles, you can go ahead and open that up. And I want to go ahead and get a little bit of other things out of the way before we get into that word. You might be wondering, Pastor Ray, I've never seen you preach in one of those hats before. And I would say to you, I don't know how people do it. Like, my head is sweating. But if you weren't with us last week, uh, we made an announcement last week, and we sent an email reminder out that today was dressed like Pastor Ricky Day. And so um, I went through Pastor Ricky, I know I'm not doing you justice, but I'm doing the best justice I can. All right, I got, the, I got the beanie, I got the socks, I got my pants tucked into the socks. These are as slim as my pants get, and so, like, I tried. I tried. Can, is it, uh, he gave me thumbs up. All right. Uh, I, I will say this. I walked in today, and somebody said, you look like Pastor Ricky. I said, yes. yes. <laughs> I didn't look exactly like him, but I tried my best. So if you're wondering why some people are walking around, and they seem like they all dressed alike, That's what's going on there with that. I heard it said one time that imitation is the greatest form of flattery. And so, Ricky, this is what we got. This is what we got. Father God, as we look at your word now, I pray, Lord God, that you would indeed uh, just just speak to us, God. Remind us, encourage us, um, spur us on, teach us, God. Give us truths that we can declare this day and as we go forward from here. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 139, starting in the seventh verse, says this. It says, where can I go from your spirit? This is David talking. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of, of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me, and your right hand will hold me fast. I love this, uh, this entire psalm. Matter of fact, this psalm is, like, uh, is rich in uh, theological education. Right? It's, it's a spot where you turn and you say, I, I want to learn more and more about God. This is one of those psalms that you would turn to. Matter of fact, the first portion of the psalm talks about the omniscience of God, right? The, the fact that God knows everything. Think about that. Think about this for a second. Matter of fact, think about whatever you want right now. Go ahead. Let me. When, when you have something in your mind, just, 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 just do this. So I know you have something in your mind. Doesn't matter what it is. When you have something in your mind, just do this. Watch this, watch this. I'm gonna, this is going to blow our minds. Ready? He knows it. He knows it. You didn't even have to do this. He knew it before you did it, right? Like, God knows all things. Now, look, I'm boiling that to be real simple, right? But but that means that, that, that that truth, that declarative truth means we can never surprise God. If we can't surprise God, now, you might be thinking to yourself, like, I like surprises, right? Like, what will be in the gift? I don't know when I open it up. I want the surprise, right? So you might be thinking, surprises are good. Yeah, they are good. So we can't surprise them that way. We also can't surprise them in any other way, right? We might be surprised with some of the things. You might have been surprised when you walked into church today. You're like, what is going on? There's like Pastor Charlie up there acting like a DJ. Did y'all see him up here doing that? He was trying to, trying to figure that. That was cool. That was all dedicated to Pastor Rick. You might be thinking, what was going on here with that, right? You might have been surprised, but you know who wasn't? God. There is actually nothing that surprises God. Now, the first six verses of Psalm 139 teach about that. But then David makes a transition when he gets to verse 7. And it's this new, it's, it's, a, it's another declarative thought. And that is this, that God is not only, does not only know everything, but that God is everywhere. That God is everywhere, right? And when we think about the idea that God is everywhere, if we really kind of process this idea that God is everywhere, that means that anywhere I go, He already is. That's pretty cool. And a little daunting at the same time. You ever, um, you ever have a moment where you were like, I want to uh, be alone? I just want to be away from everybody. I'm, a, I'm an extreme extrovert. Anybody else an extreme extrovert? If you're an extreme extrovert, you're kind of like, I don't really understand that thought, right? But, you know, maybe once in our life we have one of those moments. But for some other people, you have a lot of those moments. Anybody have those moments? You're like, hey, hey, like I've been around people enough. I just want to be alone. I want to be alone. Come on, put your hand up, right? So I got some good news for you. I got some good news. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. I'm talking to you, right? You at home too. Here, I got some good news for you. I got some good news for you. You can be alone in terms of other people but now i got some bad news for you you can't actually ever be alone right which is actually good news but if you're really just saying i want to be by myself it's bad news because god ain't ever going to leave you alone right like he's already there and so uh, i i want us to drill down on this truth today and we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about that the word that we use for this when we talk about god is that god is omnipresent It means that the presence of God is everywhere at the same time. That God is everywhere at the same time. Me and my kids, uh, well, I should say our whole family, you know, has been watching uh, this, this DC comic show called Superman and Lois. And in the DC comic show Superman and Lois, you get to meet Superman as uh, he's a dad, and he's raising him and his wife are raising teenage boys. Well, I'll give some of the story away. One of the teenage boys has uh, has has captured some of Superman's powers, and he's discovering how to use them. What what does it mean to have these powers? Well, one of these unique characteristics of Superman is that he has super hearing. Super hearing, right? And I love this. There's one scene in, in one of the episodes where, where this actually plays out. And I had never thought about it before. Like, when I think about Superman, I think, you know, red cape flying everywhere, right? You know? I think of phone boosts, which they don't even have anymore. Like, I don't know how Superman gets changed nowadays. But, like, when I think of Superman, like, those are things I think about. One of the things I never thought about is what is it like to actually have superheroes? You ever been in a room where there was too much noise? You ever been in a room where, like, so many things were going on, it's like sensory overload? Yeah, right? Some of y'all might have thought that when you first came into church. Like, whoa, sit further back, right? Um, I've never thought about, like, what is it, what is it, what is sensory overload like if you could hear everything? So in the show, in the show, the, the younger son is trying to figure out how to use his super hearing. And, and there's, something, there's one specific voice somewhere on the other side of the world that he needs to hear. And he, he, he kind of kneels down, he T-bows, if you understand what that means. If you don't, you can Google that. He T-bows, and he tries to focus his mind to allow his ears to hear. And they allow you in the show to see everything that's going on in this moment. And you hear sensory overload. There's like a billion voices going on at the same time. There's, there's, there's cars and trains and ambulances and, and every noise possible is like filtering into this kid's ears. And in, in our case, it's filtering through, this, through the TV screen so we're hearing it all. And you're just like, ah, I can't take it all. Eventually, he hones his gifts in so that he can hear specifically the one voice. And he's like... I hear, it. I hear the voice I'm listening for. Well, you know what's kind of crazy to think about? God, all at once, hears us. Well, here's you. Here's me. Here's us. Here's what's ever going on in our church. And you know what's happening right now down the street? There's another church's meeting. And down the street a little further, there's another church's meeting. Right, you know what's happening in another city in another state. There's another church that's meeting somewhere on the other side of the country. There's somebody who's praying their good time, good night prayers somewhere on the other side of the country, and somewhere on the other side of the world. There's there's people who I I should have said world, not country, but somewhere on the other other side of the world. There's people praying their good morning prayers. Like all, and, and and there's somebody right now who who's in a tragic situation who is crying out to God. Right, and there's somebody who is celebrating what God is doing. Right, and somehow. The beautiful nature of God is that he can hone in and hear every one of these things at the same exact time. That, my friends, is crazy. It's just absolutely wild to think about the fact that that God, everywhere, all at once, and yet intimately honed in on the voice. That right now, God loves you in such a way that if you would begin to speak to him, that God, who has responsibility for the entire world, would listen intimately to you. Jeremiah in the 23rd chapter in the 24th verse, 24th verse says this. He says, who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them? That is what God declared. Do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. God is 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 probing Jeremiah and asking him this question like who could ever hide from me? Aren't I both in heaven and on earth? Aren't I everywhere? David in the Psalm 139, as he was speaking from verse, as we read from verses seven to ten, he's speaking from a place of experience, right? Like we know the story of David. We know David as a young boy who had battles that he needed to overcome. We know David as a maturing teenager who went and fought the army as if he were the one who was meant to lead it. We know David as an older man who actually leads the people of God, and we know David as a little bit older man who actually falls from the grace of God, and then we know David as a repentant man who comes back and says through the prophet nathan and comes back and says god i blew it would you use me again david has this experience of being in the presence of God, and so as he writes and he talks about being able to run from God and how, where could I ever go, and as he talks about everywhere that God is, he's talking from experience, from practical wisdom. He says, God, I, I tried to get away from you, and I couldn't find a place. God, I I, I, I messed up so bad I was in the depths, and, and yet you found me there. He's talking about when, when indeed his own heart had fallen to the point where he, 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 he moved into a place of adultery. And yet he said, God, you didn't leave me in that place. You pulled me out of that place and you used me again. Like, God, everywhere I went, you were still there. He's not just speaking from experience, though. It's not just like, hey, I experienced this and so therefore it's true. He's also speaking from a place of authority. God, you rebuked me. God, you sent the prophet Nathan, and Nathan reminded me and called me out of sin and back into your light. And so, God, I stand with authority declaring these truths because you've already declared these truths over me. He's not speaking just experientially. He's not speaking just authoritatively. He's also declaring, what he, but what he is declaring is both terrifying and encouraging at the same time. God, there's nowhere that I could go where you wouldn't be. No matter how much I messed it, no matter how much I cleaned it, you would still be there. It's terrifying to think that we can never escape something. And yet it's so encouraging to think that that I can never escape the presence of God. Thinking about escaping, some of you might be reminded of Thursday night. Did anybody stay up on Thursday night? Come on, a couple of us stayed up. You did not stay up, son. Put your hand down. Couple, how many of y'all did not know that football started on Thursday? Did anybody stay up and watch the game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so look, a couple of you, a couple of you who are fans, I wish we could turn the camera so they could see you in this moment. A couple of you who are fans of the team that escaped winning. They escaped winning, right? Y'all remember that? It looked like they had a chance, and then they had a kicker. And then it didn't happen, right? They escaped the win, right? So it's it terrifying, and it's encouraging. You came in, even though your team escaped winning, and, and you were encouraged to think, well, we almost got it done. We were better than we were last year. That's what I heard. Now, look, that's, that's what I heard. That's what I heard. Now, look, I know the jury is still out. Today is big day for, for some other teams in green, and they're going to get to play today. That's today, right? Some of you know what time does it start? Oh, I got, a, I got a lot more word in me today. Yeah. All right. All right. So, so you get it. You get it. You get it. You understand this declaration that it could be both terrifying and encouraging at the same time, right? And so you're hoping for something in the middle of that when it comes to your team on Sunday. Well, I have the privilege of, not, of my team not playing until Monday. So I get to watch all those things. And then on Monday, it is neither terrifying or encouraging. It's just a brutal fact that my team is going to play and they're probably not going to win. All right, and so I just live in that space. But let's come back to the word of God here. So Jeremiah 23, 24, let me read it to you again. Who can hide in in secret places so that I can't find them? That's what God is asking. He says, don't I already fill the heavens and the earth? I want you to get this today. Here's our first point. God is present in heaven. We already know, we pray all the time, God, would your presence be near? But watch this. God is present right now in the heavens. I remember when I was uh, sitting under one of my former pastors, I said to him, I said, Pastor, I, I just don't understand something. Help me understand it. I said, if there is no time in heaven, if heaven doesn't track time the way we understand it, if somebody is there before me, will they have been there longer than me? Think about that with me for a second. If God doesn't track time when we get to eternity, if somebody gets there before me, will they be there longer than me? So I asked him this question, which indeed in my mind and still to this day I think was pretty profound. And my pastor responded by saying this. He said, Ray, I want you to understand something. Eternity is beginning right now. That's all he said. And I thought to myself, well, so wait, does that mean they're there before me or not there before me? And as I've sat with that for the last, I don't know, almost 20 years now, I've come to realize something. Whenever we set foot into eternity, to the eternal side, to the place where God already is, we're not late we're not early, we're not waiting for somebody else to come, and we're not there before anybody. Because when time is irrelevant, we're all there. So I want to let you sit with this for a moment, just understanding this one truth. God, in this very moment, is present in eternity. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, all right, well, hey, God is present in eternity and I hope I'm going to make it. But what does that mean for us here and now? Turn with me to 1 Kings in the 8th chapter. 1 Kings in the 8th chapter. We're going to look at verse 27. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 27. This is what the Word of God says. It says, but will God really dwell on earth? I mean, the heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you, God. How much less will the temple I built be able to? This question that was being asked is, is God like, I know you're up in the heavens, but will you like be amongst us? And we know throughout the Old Testament, we see stories of of God showing up and being present before people. And, and we see that both in the presence of the ark, and, and then we see that in special moments where where God appears and does something that only God could do. But but this question still resounds. It's like, hey, we built this house. But God, like, will you show up in it? And then when you get to the New Testament, we, we learn this other thing, right? That the Bible tells us that the, the body is the new temple of God. And so we built this house, right, windows, and we built an online house for you. But then the Bible says that we also are being built up as a temple of God. So God, if you are so grand that the heavens can't contain you, how could you ever fit in this box? What would you do in here? Now, let me say it this way. Not only could God far overflow your box, far... Be, grand, be, be, be far grander than what could be contained in this building. Yet God chooses to live not amongst us, in us. Think about this. I got up this morning and I worked really hard to try to figure out how to make this body look like Ricky Gomez. Like, I pre-thought it last night. I I like laid my clothes out. I once went on a trip with Ricky Gomez, and, uh, and he ironed his jeans. I did not go to that extreme for you, Ricky, but I did shake my pants twice to make sure there wasn't any big creases, right? But I did my best to try to shape this temple to look like my friend. Well, God has been doing a work in all of us to create a To create a temple space. You waving to me? Oh, you waving to somebody else. Got it, okay. God has been doing a great work to create a temple space in all of us. Not so that we would look like our neighbor. But so that we could contain, we could be filled with the radical presence of God. Let me say it to you like this. When I look at you. You know what I see? And when you look at me, I hope, I I pray that you see this too. I pray that what you see is the presence of God. When you drive down the street and you see the church, I pray that what you see is the presence. the old testament the people of israel would march and as they marched in the front they'd be led by a pillar of fire and that fire represented the presence of god everybody who saw them marching knew that the presence of god was there so the first thing i said is that god is present in heaven the second thing at the same time God is present in his church. And you are his church. God is present in his church. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. We're going to focus on the 6th verse, but I want to read all the way through with you. So if you have your Bibles, the whole thing is not going to be up. You're going to want to just check it out in your, own, in, in your own Bible. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you... This is Paul writing to the church, and I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble. Be gentle, be patient. Bear with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity in the, uh, of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit as you have been called to one hope when you were called. There's one Lord and one faith and one baptism. And then this is what it says in verse 6. There is one God and one Father of all who is over all and through all and is in all. Paul understood something that I think sometimes we, we, we neglect or we forget. Sometimes we think to ourselves, like, God is only for those of us who know him. God is only for those of us who are living our best. God is only for those who wear the tie on Sunday morning. God clearly not for the beanie because my head is hot right now. But God is only for, and we think of the Christian circle. But when we read through scripture, even going back to the gospel writers in the gospel of John, the gospel of John in the third chapter in the 16th verse, many of you remember this from, from itty-bitty days of vacation Bible school to more senior days of life now. And you, and you, but you remember the verse, right? For God so loved who? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal or everlasting life, right? But it says, for God so loved the world, the cosmos. The cosmos, the word cosmos means everything that he created. God so loved everything that he created That he gave his son to die, that you might have the option of believing and then receiving eternal life. The option of believing and then receiving is your option. But the choice to be loved by God has already been made. Let me say that again. I don't think it hit you yet. The option of believing and receiving is your option. You get to decide what to do with that. But the choice of being loved by God has already been made. He already sent his son to die in your place as an act of love, betrothed to you. Right? That was the work of God. God looked and said, Mayu, I love you. I love you this much. Before you know it, I love you. Before you know that you need to know it, I love you. Before you ever heard it, matter of fact, before you were even born into this world, I love you. God didn't wait for me to screw up to say, okay, let me show you how much I love you now. I'll send my son, right? Right? Like, I don't even think my lineage was thought of yet. Right? Like, I don't know how far back our family history goes, but I'm trusting it's not that far back yet. Right? And so, like, I don't even know how to connect those dots. but, But before I understood that we needed to connect dots, God was like, I love you. Now, this should both encourage us and it should compel us. God's love for the cosmos, for all that he created, should send us into the world. Because God doesn't just love those who are already found. God died for those who still need to be found. God doesn't just love those who already show up on Sunday morning or in Winston Hicking's case on Saturday nights. God died for those who don't yet know that they even have the option of showing up on Sunday morning or Saturday night. That means if you pause for a moment and you thought about the last person that you would ever want to go to and tell the good news to, God died for them too. He said, I love you to them too. And then he compels us. He moves us to respond. So we said that, that, uh, let me see if I got this right. We said that God is present in heaven. We said that God is present in his church. Now we're saying this, God is present before all of humanity there is one god and one father of all who is over all through all and in all god is before all of us he's before all of his creation god is setting into motion from the very very beginning until the very very end a compelling story of his love pursuing after everything that he has created That means that God's greatest desire is that you and you and you and me and every other person that we walk past would know how for them God is. That's his desire. That we would know that God is for Hebrews in the first chapter in the third verse. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he, Jesus, sat down of the right hand of the Father in heaven. Colossians 1.17 says it this way, God is before all things, and in him all things are held together. How many of us have ever had a moment where you say, man, I'm at wit's end? Anybody ever have that? Just, just like two of us? No. Yeah. No. Okay. More hands. Contagiousness. Okay. It's happening. All right. So look, some of us had a moment. Where we said, like, I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know how to do this. Right. Like, uh, you know, I, I recently stumbled upon uh, one of our employees, and 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 she was having a tough week. And I said, so What's going on? She said, I got so many things I'm trying to hold together. And, and I knew that feeling, my heart resonated with it, and I right away thought to myself, like, man, how can I help, and how can we invite other people to help? Because we want to lift some of that burden, right? And so we know that experience of trying to hold as many things together. I, I you know, I, I celebrate, you know, homemakers, moms or dads, whoever it is, that's staying home and trying to hold all those pieces together. And you're like, man, how is it possible to keep all these things together, right? We know that feeling. I love the encouragement that I get when I think about the fact that holding everything together is not actually my job. So let me free you up real quick. Holding everything together is not actually your job either. Let me say it one more time. Holding everything together is not my job and holding everything together is not actually your job either. Now that doesn't mean we neglect what our responsibilities are, right? Like. We had kids, we're responsible for them, that's part of life, right? And, and, you know, we have a job and we want to get paid at the end of the week. Like, we're responsible to do our work, that's part of it, right? Like, and, 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 like, we get that, so there are responsibilities. But this idea that it's our job and responsibility to, to kind of keep everything in the world in balance and hold it all together, pull this one, pull that one, spin this one, do that, that's not actually ours. You know why? Because God has declared that it's His. God has declared that he is the one that holds all of these things to the core. That it is God's role and God's responsibility to make sure that none of these things float away. To make sure that none of these plates stop spinning, to make sure that nothing that, that no one gets lost along the way, right? That is God's role. Our job is to play our part in that big grand story. And that part that we play is being the temple where the presence of God chooses to dwell. That's the part that we play. And so I'll remind you of this today. If you feel like you're at your wit's end, sit down. Take your break. Hand something off. Phone a friend. Y'all remember that show? Yeah, like three lives, right? You know, like phone, well, I don't remember the other two were, but one of them was phone a friend. Right, right right i think who wants to be a millionaire that's what it was right and so wh- whatever that situation is for you where you're like there's too many strings for me to hold on to invite i invite you trust that god is holding all these things together and ask god to allow you to be yoked with him because it was him who said hey my burden my yoke is easy. So God, I tie to you. And I trust that you're going to hold these things together. I trust that you're going to make sure that this goes right. And I'm going to just try my best to say, here I am, Lord. Use me. And give me the rest that I need to be able to do it. God is present in creation, holding everything together the the book of Job in the 38th chapter uh, I I won't read it to you but you can check it out in the 38th chapter of the book of Job there is a long story of a conversation that happens between God and Job and Job is kind of like finally throwing his hands up he's like hey like why is this all happening like what's going on here and then God kind of reminds him of who he is and who God is and maybe some of us need this reminder as well right God in His, you know, Job kind of yelled, you know, kind of talking, talking up, talking back with God, like, "Hey, God, like, uh, what were you thinking when you made these things happen, or you let these things happen?" And then God reminds him. He says, "You know, Job, where were you before there was anything else? Where were you when it was when I created the dirt before I created the people? Where were you when there was no time and I kicked time into motion?" where were you, and, and, and the list of where were you's kind of continues, and to each one of those, you know the response, right? Like, yeah, I, w- I wasn't here yet. No, I wasn't there. I wasn't a part of that. Where were you when all of creation was starting? Well, no, I wasn't here. When the floods were rising, where were you? Uh, I wasn't there. Like, like, all of these things, and to each one of those, God is saying, hey, you know who was there? So if I was there before anything else, if I've lasted through this time, if I've consistently shown up, why are you trying to hold it all together instead of trusting that I can hold it all together? Do you really think you're better at this than me? And don't we need that reminder sometimes? How many of us find, you don't have to raise your hand for this, but how many of us find ourselves at times feeling like we could do better, and so we try to take the lead. I remember this day. I remember it more than most other days of my life. It was, it was August the 29th of the year 2008. Oh, okay, she smiled. It was, I got the date right. Okay, good. It was August the 29th of 2008, and uh, we had done all of our prep work. To get married. Matter of fact, there's some people in the house who are getting married. Yeah, I celebrate y'all. I'm excited for you guys. You guys know that story, right? So we did all of our prep work to getting married, right? And this was the big I do day. Y'all, y'all can think about that, right? Like the big day, you know, like you walk down the aisle, you know, like you repeat after the pastor. You stare at each other's eyes. You remember doing that, right? You stare at each other's eyes and you exchange the rings. and Then you, you blissfully run out of the sanctuary, right? Like that's what it was going to be. The part that I hadn't done as much work on, I'll, be, I'll confess this to you. I had done a lot of work in preparation for the wedding and a lot of work in preparation for the honeymoon. I had, we had picked where we were going to go, and it was going to be this amazing time. I had not thought about that three hours that happens in the evening, like from like 8 o'clock to 11 o'clock, like where you're, you're with a whole bunch of people and you're dancing. hadn't thought about that. And thought about that. Matter of fact, to the point where I was just like, I didn't even know what was happening. And so, um, so Michelle said, Hey, like we got to show up here now. I was like, Oh, okay, good. And then they said, You actually have to dance. I really should have rehearsed. And so I got out there, and I don't know that she knew this yet. And I leaned over to her. And some of my first romantic words to her when I whispered in her ear were, I can't. just bad at it and she said to me don't worry I'll take the lead okay I don't know how to follow <laughs> I'm bad at it and so she hugged me tight and she clearly moved her feet and i tried to move mine by stepping on hers and it was awkward we got through it But the reason why it was awkward was because when she said, I'll take the lead, I should have said, okay, and followed. But instead, I said yes, but I still tried to move as if I were leading, but I didn't know what I was doing. That's the equivalent of us looking to God and being like, God, I got this. I got this. God's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I've been doing this, I know what I'm doing here, just let me lead, you follow, the next time you're struggling with following in that moment, the next time you're trying on your own to hold everything together, I've just given you a picture you can't forget, just remember Pastor Ray stepping on Lady Michelle's toes, right, just remember that dance, and remember like, whoo, he was bad at it, and there from there, you'll find yourselves saying, hey, God, you're present. I'm going to stop holding on to this, and I'm going to let you hold everything together. I want to wrap up this morning with one more truth that we, uh, that we can identify here about the presence of God. See, we identify that God is present in the heavens. We know that. We identify that God is, is, uh, is oh, let me make sure I get them right. That God is present in his church. We identify that God is present before all people. We even identify that God is the one who holds everything together in his presence. Well, let me say this last thing to you. E- Ecclesiastes chapter 5, this is what it says. It says, do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. You see, God is in heaven and we are on earth. So let our words be few. God is present, not just in heaven. He's also present on earth. He's present everywhere and he's present always. Understanding our role means that we acknowledge God, through your presence, take the lead. Take the lead. Let me say one last thing about this. When we say, God, take the lead, as easy as it is to sit here right now and say that, what becomes a little more difficult is when we put that into practice. That means, God, I'm going to trust you even if it's not working the way I thought it would. What's going to happen here in the rest of our service this morning is we're, uh, we're going to celebrate and, and we're going to prepare to say goodbye to a good friend of ours. A friend who has been with us in ministry for the last five years, has, has done amazing thing, has built great rapport with all of us. This is one of those moments where you say, God, this is not how I would have scripted it. And yet, the. Lead, Pastor Charlie's going to come up, and he's going to give us a moment of of joy and celebration. And uh, we're going to hear a little more of the mix-up. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at RoxboroughChurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.